this is an appropriate sermon, uh, the God of Abraham. And I'm so glad we have the God of Abraham. Take your Bibles to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. And we're starting at verse 19. And we're going to read down through verse 23. There's 24 verses in this chapter, but we'll, we'll uh, stop at verse 23. And starting at verse 19... The Bible says, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, and I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. And we'll stop right there. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in these next few moments, I pray you'll give us a truth that will help us. Lord, we love you, and we thank you that we can assemble Uh, We know that the weather throughout this area has been tough, Uh, storms throughout the Midwest, and Lord, no doubt uh, a lot of people's plans have been uh, set aside, but Lord, you're in charge, and you've got us here for a purpose, and you want us to hear from your word, and you want to speak to us from your word, and Lord, I thank you that you are the God of Abraham, and you're our God. And the same God he had is the same God we have. And we're so glad that you will take care of your children. And so speak to us now in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage of scripture, we are dealing with Abraham. We know at age 75, God spoke to him to depart from the land from which he was raised, or the Chaldeans. And it says to leave your family and go to a land that I will show you. Even in this passage, we see that his name is called Abram. He has not yet had his covenant with God. He will have that in chapter 15. And we're going to see that God not only makes a covenant with him, but in lieu of that covenant, God also changes his name to Abraham. Now, Abraham is a name that Uh, has a connotation as a follower of God. And then it will also change Sarai to Sarah, uh, because Sarah is going to be the father uh, and the mother of a great nation. And Abraham, of course, will be the one that receives the promise. It's interesting that in this passage of Scripture, as it describes Abraham, we find that it also relates to us. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Uh, The kids sing that song, Abraham had many sons. Well, you and I, by faith, are the children of Abraham. And if you look in the book of Romans, you're going to find that the promise made to Abraham 
which we only find out in the New Testament, was not the promise of a physical seed, although he had uh, a physical family, but it was the promise of faith, and he's called the father of the faithful. The Bible will tell us Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And so there in the Old Testament, we have salvation by faith, not in a faith that understood how God was going to bring redemption, but had faith in the God of redemption. So if you think you and I have a little challenge sometimes having faith in what God's told us that we have seen fulfilled, Abraham has not yet seen fulfilled any of the promises. It will be at 75 where he is promised that he will be a father of many nations. It will be at 100 when that child is born and Isaac. And so God waits till everything is impossible. And if you enjoy reading in Genesis, you're going to find that God presents himself as the God of the impossible. You know, if a person believes in evolution, he has to believe there was something to start with. No evolutionist would, would honestly say, well, nothing uh, bumped into nothing and produced a lot of energy that blew up and then somehow uh, created this, and it just took billions and billions and billions of years. I made mention uh, if you had a, all the pieces of a thousand puzzles, and you had all the puzzle pieces in a beautiful puzzle of a thousand pieces that makes a beautiful scene, and you put it in a jar and you started shaking it, how long would you have to shake it before it all fit together? And if you ask that question of any thinking person, they look at you like, what are you, of course it would never. And yet an evolutionist would start with none of the pieces of life and yet think that it all fit together. And then I'll simply ask them, take a jar that's empty, now shake it for billions of years. How many billions of years would you have to shake an empty bottle of air before life jumped out at you and said, stop shaking this? How long? Well, Abraham believed in the God of the impossible. And tonight I want us to look at the God of Abraham. And there's three things that I can show you from chapter 14 and chapter 15 that I want to look tonight. And I hope to hasten through this in the next 20 minutes and be able to share with you a truth about it. The first we see that God is speaking to him and he's going to have a covenant relationship with him in chapter 15. But here in chapter 14... He is called the possessor of heaven and earth. And the Bible is going to reveal himself as that possessor of heaven and earth. 
In verse 22, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. This is the one who's going to make a promise with him. And notice Abraham is declaring that he's not going to take anything from the kings of Sodom, not because he is rich yet. Later we will find Abraham is very wealthy, but not now. Now he's left with, he left his homeland with very little possessions. He is not a wealthy man at this point, but he knows that the God he serves is the possessor of heaven and earth. And if you have a God that owns everything, then you don't need anything that man has to offer you. And that's exactly what he's saying. And that's, that's the mindset on which he operates when he says, I don't want anything. I don't want you to uh, think that you've made me rich. No, no, no. You see, my God is the God of the possessor of heaven and earth. And according to what I read to you in Galatians, that's our God, because if we be in Christ, then are we Abraham's seed. We are children of the promise. And that's exactly what you and I as believers are. We're children's, children of the promise. And God gave promises to Abraham that you and I as believers will one day see fulfilled. And I believe the fulfillment of those promises are not only that many, many millions of his children will come to faith in Christ, but literally in the uh, millennial reign, we will possess the very land that Abraham was promised. And last uh, week, I put up on a screen a little picture, and it showed the river Nile and the river Euphrates and the distance between them, and the Bible says Ethiopia, and all of that is about a 1,500-mile cube, which is the city of New Jerusalem that comes down out of God on heaven. And Israel, that little bitty country Israel, is nowhere, it's not one-hundredth of the promise that God gave Abraham. God said from the river Uh, in Egypt to the river Euphrates. That's a long way. That's a lot of land. The land of uh, the Ethiopians were mentioned, and that is about a 1,000 to 1,500 miles down from the Mediterranean Sea, and then you go over. So I'm just saying Abraham believed God was the possessor of heaven and earth to the degree that he did not need man to give him anything because he already knew his God had everything. And I just want to remind us, that's the same God you and I serve. That's the same God we can trust. Do you realize when you pray that God owns everything? You know, when I was a little kid, they would let me sing in a little choir and Our church ran 60 on a big day, and so it was uh, quite the thing for adults to listen to some children, and usually as a junior boy, I would get up with maybe eight different other children, my brother being one of them, 
And uh, so there would be maybe six others besides me and my brother, sometimes maybe on a good day, eight others. But we would sing, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. He owns the rivers and the rocks and rills, the sun and stars that shine. Wonderful riches, more than tongue can tell. He is my father, so they're mine as well. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I know that he will care for me. And you know, as we get older, we need to remind ourselves, God's still in that business of taking care of his children. If you have children, you certainly want to take care of them. And you nurse them to health and you raise them up and you... Uh, take them to the doctor when they're sick and you provide for them and you buy little bitty shoes and then little bigger shoes and then little bigger and then it just becomes a lifelong endeavor of keep buying bigger until finally they're out on their own. But wait a minute, it doesn't stop there. Your adult kids need something, you'll, you'll do everything in your power to provide that. You, you, will, you will dip into your life savings, which might not be much, but you'll dip into it and you'll gladly spend out of it whatever it is that your children need. Now, God is a greater father than you and I are. He's a greater parent than any human parent ever has been. And so as we get older, he will continue to watch over us just like when we were new in faith. And we can trust him. He owns it all. And we need to remind ourselves over and over that God, God has everything at his disposal. And because he does, he has everything at disposal for his children. And we'll take care of them. You ever stop sometimes just to meditate on his greatness? I remember as a teenager... Uh, just going in the backyard and it would be dark late at night and looking up and seeing all the stars. Something you can't really see that much of here being this close to Portland. But I was raised in a much smaller city in Clarksville, Tennessee, and you didn't have all the ambient light so you could actually see the Milky Way. Now we know it's a term, but Unless you've been down to Crater Lake or places like that in eastern Oregon, you haven't seen it in a long, long time. You've seen one-tenth of the stars, one-hundredth of the stars. You, you've seen just a few specks in the sky. But you get out in the dark, and you look up in heaven, and it's amazing how great God is. I've had my own theory for probably the last 15 years, that one of the reasons why most large cities don't believe in God is because they don't get to see his handiwork at night. But every farmer believes in God. He's in the pasture late at night. He looks up. He sees all those stars. He sees his handiwork. And he knows that didn't just jump into existence. We don't see all that because we're so close. Amos chapter 4 verse 13 says this, For lo, he that formeth the mountains and createth the wind and declareth unto man what is his thought, 
that maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Psalms chapter 50, verse 10 through 12 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. That's, that's where they got that child's chorus. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to God, and he is the possessor of heaven and earth. He owns it all. But it also tells us he is the protector of his people. Notice chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. God is saying, not only am I possessor of heaven and earth, but I'm the protector of my people. I am your shield. I am the one who will defend you. I am the one that will take care of you. And Abraham needed to know that. Because he's leaving everything he knows. He's leaving his father's land. And he's going to a land where it's a little difficult to uh, imagine. But, uh, you know, he says to Sarah, God spoke to me and, and he, he said to go to a land and he would show me. Okay, well, I, I trust you. You're my husband. I trust you. Where, where, where are we going? Uh, well, first, let's pack up. Let's pack up everything. Okay, so she obediently does that, pack up everything. Okay, now, um, where are we going, Abram? Um, uh, he, he hasn't said yet, but he said he'll take us to a land that he will show us. So... Um, Let's just stay packed for a while, and I, I believe in a day or two he's going to, he's going to give me some instruction. But the Bible says he would take it, show him a land, and so by faith he had to wait on God's daily directions. Now, sometimes husbands can relate because you, you know, you, back in the day you would give the map to your wife. And you would say, now, you, you let me know where to turn. And I'd say, no, it's, it's upside down, honey. Turn, 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 turn it this way. Well, I don't know where north is. <laughs> and so uh, he didn't even have a map. And now he's trying to get help from his wife, his, his faithful co-pilot, to get to where God wants him to go. And she doesn't know, and he doesn't. He just knows that direction. And he'll let us know when we get there. And the Bible's going to tell us that he, having never received the promise, he never got to the place where he said, this is it. This is where God wants us to be. But he would see, while he's in Abraham's bosom or paradise, he would see somehow the fulfillment of God, at least 
You know, in paradise, there's more joining him every once in a while, and he could give them 21 questions. That, where, where were you? Were you in the land of Canaan? Were you around the mount here? Were you? And uh, so he knew that some of his people were getting there. But I'm telling you, he was trusted as the protector. The Bible says, as God sends us forth in, on life's mission to fulfill our mission... He wants us to know that he is our protector. He's still our shield and our great, exceeding great reward. One of my favorite psalms of all time always have been Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When I was a teenager, I used to quote that entire Psalm almost on a daily basis, but at least a few times a week. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Uh, they would take us to go in downtown Clarksville, Tennessee and stand in front of all the taverns and have a handful of tracks and pass them out to people going in the tavern, out of the tavern. And I would say to myself, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Uh, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Because honestly, as a 14-year-old teenage boy, I was scared to death. But I kept reminding me that as a Christian, I should not be because whom should I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. I can trust God. I can depend on him. I'd also repeat to myself, the righteous are as bold as a lion. But honestly, I never felt like roaring. I, I, I never felt like, whoa. I always like, oh, like maybe a little kitten purring, you know. I was scared. They'd say, pray before you knock on a door. I'd pray, Lord, help no one to be home. That's, that's honestly what I would pray as a teenager. But I went. I went, and all the time I went, and, and people showed up, I, and trembling, I, I talked to them. Psalms 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Putting our trust in the Lord. I love Isaiah, where it says, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. And if you're wondering about Bible college or another college or uh, retirement or a new phase of life, remember that God will hold your right hand saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. I'll help you. I think of our wonderful international students. I wonder how they felt getting on that plane going to America for the first time leaving their family behind and wondering, I hope it's okay. Never been there. But you can trust the Lord. He'll take care of your life. He, he'll take care of you here. He'll take care of you anywhere. Matthew 28, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you. And that's sort of the end of the Great Commission. But then the Great Commission promise. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. 
So there's a promise with it. So God says, go out and evangelize the nations. Go out and tell the world about me. But don't worry. He said, I am with thee. And lo, I am with thee always. There's not a place on this green earth that you could go. But what God is already there. He's watching over. And he is not only the possessor of heaven and earth. He has everything you lack in life. All the wisdom you lack, all the finances you lack, all the ability you lack. You don't need self-confidence, you just need God-confidence. Because he has whatever you lack. And he is, the, he is the one that gives. The Bible also says he's the provider of his people. Notice what verses 5 and 6 says. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. It's interesting that that little phrase in verse 6, He believed in the Lord, and he counted it. It to him for righteousness. We would not know until we get to the book of Romans and the inspired word of God tells us that he had faith in God. And God, when Abraham heard God and said, I, I believe that. That was his salvation experience. I believe that. No sinner's prayer, no no complicated thing, not even the Romans wrote or other verses, but just a, like a child would just trust when his father puts him up on a ledge and says, jump to daddy, and, and they do it. Faith. He is the provider of his people. In verse 2, Abraham asked what God will do with him since he's still childless, and the answer comes back, Look up into the heavens. Count the stars if you can. And I'm going to provide for you. And, and that was at 75. And we know he waits till 100 before Isaac is born. See, God likes to do the impossible. I, I started on that thought. When it comes to creation, God doesn't take the world as it is and recreate it. He starts out with nothing and speaks it into existence. God wants to do the impossible. When he wants to flood the earth, he tells Noah to build a boat, but not near the ocean, not near the water. Put it in the middle of the desert. Put it in the middle of the plain. Because I enjoy doing the impossible. No one week of rain is going to lift that boat up in the middle of the desert. But I'm going to do that because I'm going to open up the waters of the earth and open up the waters of the sky. And this whole world is going to be flooded. And I'm going to lift up that boat in the middle of the desert. When he comes to the children of Israel crossing the water, he doesn't go by the Sea of Reeds. Why every liberal theologian believes the Sea of Reeds, ankle deep water. I heard one pastor said, praise God, he drowned all of Pharaoh's army in ankle-deep water. I don't know exactly where it is, but I do know this, that the Red Sea in itself has a trough that goes down the middle of it that goes 9,500 feet down. 
almost two miles deep. It's one of the deepest seas in all the earth. And when God wants to do something, he chooses impossible places. Now, I know there's many scholars that believe, oh, there's a natural land bridge, and that's where one of those uh, wheels are. And Okay, that's, that's okay, but I don't believe it. I believe God delights in doing the impossible. It's a 60-mile stretch at the narrow part, and God got them through in a night. But remember, there was a strong wind blowing, and that wind has a way of moving you along. God has a way of doing the improbable, the impossible. We used to sing when I was younger, got any rivers you think are uncrossable, got any mountains you can't tunnel through. God specializes in things thought impossible. He does the things others cannot do. Could God take you and use you? Of course he could. Of course he could. He could take Moses who said, I can't talk plain. Hadn't hardly seen anybody but goats for 40 years on the backside of the desert. But yeah, God could use him. So many people that thought God could never use them. Gideon, we've been studying in Judges as the pastor has shared. And he said, I'm poor. My family's poor in Manasseh. And I'm from the least family of the least tribe. But To God, that makes no difference. God plus one is a majority. God can do anything through anyone he decides to. When it talks about his provision, there's so many verses in the Bible. But I want us to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 30 through 33. The Bible says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Take no thought, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. In other words, that's what the rest of the world's looking for. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And for you and I as believers, let me just paraphrase that. You put God first, he'll take care of everything else. You just put God first in your life. He'll take care of where you ought to go to college. He'll, he'll take care of how it ought to be paid. He'll take care of what career path he wants you on. He'll take care of who you're going to meet and who you're going to marry and how you're going to have kids and how you're going to fund them and how you're going to do this. And He'll take care of that. We just have to put him in his proper position. He'll take care of everything else. God has everything you'll ever need throughout this year. And throughout your life. Now Abraham is at an age where today. Most of us would be thinking about retirement. He's 75. But we do know he'll live to be 175. So maybe he's just starting out. But he's trusting the Lord. Not himself. Not in who Abram is. Not even later who Abraham is. He's trusting in God as being uh, the possessor of heaven and earth. Whatever I need, God has. 
He also is trusting God as the provider of his people. Whatever I need, God will take care of. You see, it's always the parent's job to provide for the children, not the other way around. So Abraham knew he was a child of God. And it's God's business to take care of him. Having pastored here many years, you know, God is blessed in so many ways. We had lean years too. And there were lean times where I'd walk through this church at night and remind God, this is yours. And by the way, if it's all yours, so is the mortgage, God. (laughs) I hate to tell you that, but the mortgage is yours. And thank you for the staff, Lord. That's wonderful. But may I remind you, you gotta pay their you gotta pay their salary. It's all gotta come from you. And I would just have to remind God, not that he did, he forgot, but in reminding God, I was reminding myself I can trust him. Now I'd get done praying and no money floated down from heaven, but God's peace flooded into my soul. And I knew we were in good hands and we could keep on because he is the possessor of heaven and earth and he is the provider of his people and he is the protector. I knew he would watch over us. You know, you're starting the church and we're operating a church in hostile territory. (laughs) There's a lot of mission fields that are more friendly to people than Oregon is to Christians. But this is the place God has for us. And it doesn't matter where we are, he is the protector, the provider, and the possessor of heaven and earth. And we can trust him. And I hope that you realize these things and you can place faith in the Lord and you can trust him for everything you need. And no doubt, even right now, there's things that you need. I don't mean wants. I don't mean things that would be nice to have, but there's some things you need. And maybe for you, maybe uh, for your family, maybe for your children, maybe for your grandchildren. There's things that you will need. And we need to be reminded that the same God of Abraham is the same God you and I serve today. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And the same God of Abraham is the same God you serve. Abraham believed God. I realize tonight that I'm speaking to people who no doubt have placed faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. But do you believe God will take care of you? And he is the possessor of heaven and earth, and he is your protector, your shield, and exceeding great reward, and that he is your provider. I hope that reminder of that will speak to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the mighty hand of blessing we've seen on our church Sunday after Sunday, week after week, and people getting saved lives getting touched. And Lord, uh, you're just getting started. There's so many wonderful things you want to do through this area and through our church. And I pray that you will 
continue to be with our pastor and our people, our staff. We thank you for all that you've given us. Lord, continue to do a great and mighty work and may your name be glorified and may many thousands of people come to faith in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. And we are just going to dismiss, okay? Because I said I'd get out at 745 and it's right there. God bless you. (laughs) 